Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to What Women Must Know. And as always, it's a pleasure to have you with me today because there is another fantastic conversation in store for you. If you are listening for the first time, I just want to let you know that this show is all about empowering you with truthful information so you can make informed decisions regarding your health and well-being. I find that is the most important thing you can do in life, is to have an open mind to explore possibilities. There's so much out there. There's so many solutions. There's so much wisdom that can guide us and help us in our journey through life and through our wellness as well. So that's what this show is about today and as always. I also want to say that if you're listening for the very first time, please visit my website, which is Dr. Cheryl Selman. Often there you'll get all the archives of my podcast, which is not only the uh, What Women Must Know show, but also I have another podcast on Progressive Radio Network called The Love Code, and that is my totally spiritual, amazing show. So all of those go right to your inbox if you opt in, or you can just like me over on my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know, or go to any uh, platform for podcasts and you'll find What Women Must Know and The Love Code. It's all about getting empowered with truthful information and, uh, and expanding our awareness. And that's what this show is about today. I'm so pleased that we're going to be exploring everything you need to know about how your health is affected by light, circadian rhythms, and night lighting with my guest, Dr. Martin Moore Um This is such an important topic, and uh, before I welcome uh, Dr. Moore to the show, let me just share a little bit about him. For over 40 years, Dr. Moore has been a leading world expert on circadian clocks and the health problems caused by electric light at night. As a professor at Harvard Medical School, he led the team that located the superchiasmatic nucleus, done well practicing that word, the biological clock in the human brain that controls the timing of sleep and weight and showed that it was synchronized by daily light-dark cycles. He pioneered research on how circadian clocks regulate the timing of multiple body functions. Six, 2010, he has led the Circadian Lighting Research Center team that identified the key blue signal that synchronizes circadian clocks and developed patented LED lights, which provide circadian optimized light across day and night based on comprehensive medical research. The circadian modulated lights have improved health and well-being in the 24-hour operations of Fortune 500 companies and hospitals. He has published over 180 scientific articles and authored 10 books, including the best-selling books, The Clocks That Time Us, and The 24-Hour Society. His latest book, The Light Doctor, The Science and Solutions for Replacing Your Light Now to Protect Your Health, has been released as a serial on Substack, and that's lightdrmartinmoreed.substack.com. So we'll talk more about how to get the chapters, the serialized chapters of the Light Doctor. So, um, uh, you know, Martin, it is such a pleasure to have you here. I'm so looking forward to our conversation, and welcome to What Women Must Know. Cheryl, it's a delight to be with you, and uh, I really look forward to a very interesting conversation. You've obviously, somebody's been thinking about the issue of light for some time, and let's have a really good talk about it. 
Yes, you know, um, when, when I was first introduced to the role of light, and it was about four or five years ago, I mean, it was through Dr. Jack Cruz, which I'm sure you've come across, Jack. Um, look, it was a revelation to me, to be totally honest. It's the understanding of the role that light plays in our health and that we have become indoor-dwelling beings exposed to artificial light of the very wrong kind and the impact that it has on our on our health. And um, as a result of that, I really made the point of, of watching the sunrise as often as I could and getting as much daylight as possible and um, uh, remediating my inside home so I don't have a lot of the LED blue lights. In fact, I don't have any at night. So um, this has been a huge topic because I, I do believe it's fundamental to our health, and uh, obviously your research really backs that up. So before we go into all of that, I, I, I'm always curious to learn what was it that got you on this track in life? Well, I actually got most interested uh, in the issues um, when I was graduated out of medical school. I went to medical school in London. Uh, guys Hospital Medical School. And then I did my uh, surgical internships or re- junior residency and on my track to become a surgeon. And I found myself working uh, in this environment where I was on call, on duty, 36 hours nonstop, off for 12, back in for 36, on off for 12, uh, over 100 odd hours a week like that walking like a total zombie under bright lighting the whole time uh, when I was there in the hospital. And um, I started really getting fascinated by the whole issue of um, what was causing the fatigue and the sleep and disruption and uh, what was the impact of light. And that led me to uh, take a detour um, and go and do a PhD at Harvard Medical School uh, at, at a time when very little was known about circadian clocks. In fact, circadian clocks had not been identified at that time. And I was warned off by some professors this was a crazy subject to be studying. It wasn't real. Um, unfortunately, I ignored them. Uh, so I had a 40-year um, career. And what we did is really started to understand how fundamental it was. And I think one of the things you're mentioning about lighting is um, that's very important. You know, we've, the first 10,000 generations of human beings, our ancestors, lived under bright natural light all day long. They were out and about and under pitch darkness or a moonlight at best. A million times difference in intensity, a million times moonlight, the brightest moonlight is a million times dimmer than uh, bright sunlight. And so we had this very big contrast between night and day, and basically, you know, the world was, you know, our days were divided into nights and days, and they were very different um, from the beginning of time. Then, you know, we're going along for 10,000 generations like that, and along comes electricity and Thomas Edison and other people who are involved in inventing electric light. And, And over the last three or four generations, We've been living indoors, 90% of our time is indoors, living in effectively a twilight level of light with far too little light exposure during the day and far too much light exposure after dark outside. 
And as a result, we've really fundamentally screwed up, um, to use a technical term, <laughs> screwed up our circadian clocks, our circadian rhythms, the processes in our body, and there's a huge medical end result that's happening. Now, that's all been made much worse by energy-efficient drives where we are looking for lights that are very energy-efficient. The LEDs are a prime example. And those lights are full of a certain type of blue light that causes uh, increased rates of breast cancer, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and so forth, uh, a whole host of different problems. And that is the problem, that we've invented light that is all to do about illumination and brightness and energy efficiency and cheapness, lowest cost possible, and we've actually created light that is extremely unhealthy for ourselves. And so that's the big wake-up call. Uh, we've got to now rethink lights, and the good news, and that's what my book, The Light Doctor, talks about, is we've now been able to identify the very specific problem. It's, it's actually a very narrow part of the blue in the, in the light spectrum that's causing the problem. And we've been able to design lights that take that blue out during the evening hours and night hours and provide that blue enriched during the daytime hours. And we've been able to show that has huge effects in terms of turning around people's health. So those are the, some of the things we'll get into more detail, but basically, uh, that was the path, a uh, path from uh, being exposed to it, asking a question, doing the science, identifying the clock, identifying how light set the clock, and then identifying which precise wavelengths in light that are causing the problem, and then inventing lights to solve the problem. So it's been a very interesting journey, an important one, but now is the time for change. Now is the time to do something about it. Um, and as I like to say, everyone has the right to the healthy light and you need to demand the right to health, to have that healthy light. Well, you know, it's such an interesting journey you've been on from, some, from your health being so devastated by not only that work cycle, which I, I don't understand why they do that to young doctors, um, but also, <laughs> you know, exposure, you know, like 24 hours you're under that blue light, right, in the hospital. That's why it's so hard for people to heal in hospitals as patients as well, not just to mention all the staff. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but, if you um, run lighting in hospitals, it just is people get, don't get um, well as fast. They don't get discharged healthy as fast. Um, all sorts of problems. Anyway, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, what I was going to say, and then here you here we're very adventurous and stuck to your guns to in investigate the role of circadian rhythms, which has only recently come into the you know awareness as um, critical a critical component for our health, and that's where the light comes in. And you know we're all looking for what's the best of vitamin and how do we get to the root cause so we can bring about greater health and well-being. And what people don't understand is the most important vitamin that you can get is vitamin L, which is light. Light, and I, I want, I really want you to help people understand how fundamental light is. There are many people, I'm sure, who are listening who don't understand what we mean by circadian rhythms and how uh, the super chiasmatic nucleus that part of the brain, that whole story. So maybe let's begin there. So people have this profound awakening of the the gift, the, 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 what I want to say is that the, the most amazing healing energy we have 
more than any vitamin, more than any drug, is light, light from the sun, natural light. So let's talk about that. I like to say the light we see is important to our health is the air we breathe, the food we eat, and the water we drink. You know, we focus on those, some of those other things, but we don't focus on the light, and, and the light is just as important, if not more important. Um, and that is something that is so easy to change, um, uh, and it's, uh, you know, we have a problem of light pollution, uh, during the nighttime, uh, which affects not just us, by the way. Let's not be self-centered here. It's not only our health, but it's the health of every living species on this planet is affected by our misuse of light and those bright LED lights that people are lighting up the landscape with. Um, has a huge effect on biodiversity and, uh, and all sorts of species. So it's a huge effect. It's a planetary effect. Um, that's, uh, you know, far more immediate, in fact, than, you know, we're all worried about climate change and global warming, but this is something that's really affecting us today. This is not something we're trying to head off, you know, in the future. This is something we need to head off today. So let's talk about the brain and, and how light it is so critical, why we need to have exposure to light through our eyes, through our skin, and, and the role of the circadian rhythm in maintaining health? Well, uh, light is being always thought about. It's obvious, right, that we use vision, our vision to see our way to navigate, to be able to uh, stay alive and safe, um, to hunt for food. We use our vision to do that. But what has been not realized until relatively recently is the part of our eyes that is sensing um, a, a particularly these blue wavelengths um, and is using that to set our internal clocks and to keep our internal functioning uh, going well. So they're actually, you know, everyone's heard about the rods and the cones. You know, the rods are those receptors in the back of our eyes that are very good at detecting dim light when it's really dim light and, or dark outside that, that you're using your rods. Cones are what we use for our color vision. Everyone knows all about the rods and cones. What they don't realize is there's another class of receptors, the blue light receptors in our eyes, um, go by a long and complicated name, and I will do an abbreviation there, but it's the um, intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells. We call them the IPRGCs. But there are cells in the eyes that are blue light detectors that tell us when it's daytime, and when it's nighttime. And this is found throughout the animal kingdom. Um, and we can tell some very interesting stories of why that is, but it's, it's clearly millions of years old, this system. It's in all species of, um, of, of creature. And we, that light from the eyes travels back, that's detected by these receptors, travels back to a biological clock. And that's what our team at Harvard identified, located where it was, um, uh, it's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, or SCN for short. It's a little easier to say. Um, and that SCN is the biological, central biological clock, but it's not the only biological clock. We actually have biological clocks, circadian clocks, in most of the cells of our body. And our ill health is associated with that whole orchestra of biological clocks getting out of sync with each other. So the SCN is the master clock. It is like the conductor of an orchestra. And, in, and you need the whole orchestra in sync to get 
the, the rhythms and, and harmony of health. If those clocks get out of sync and they do get out of sync with each other, we get it a bit like a discordant orchestra, so out of tune and terrible noise and terrible health, harm to our health. So there are two things, being synchronized to day and night properly, and secondly, having being internally synchronized. And what we now know is that process where the, all the clocks of our body get out of sync with each other, it's something called circadian disruption, is associated with a host of different disease conditions, wide range of disease conditions, as well as the general malaise and feeling of ill health. Um, and people gain weight much more easily, diabetes much more easily, and so forth, when the clocks are out of sync. So it's an elaborate timing system. Um, when we were out in the world uh, before electric light, we didn't even know about it, didn't need to know about it. It, took, it was one of those automatic systems of the body that no one was even aware of how good a job it was doing. It's only when we've messed with Mother Nature and given ourselves this blue-rich LED light, particularly in the evenings uh, and at nighttime, that we've really messed this whole system up, this delicate system up, and caused a lot of ill health. And this is so profound that it's staggering, actually, to realize that the light that we're exposed to is determining how well every single system, organ, function in our body is working, whether it is working optimally, doing the job it's meant to do, or whether it's disrupted and compromised in some way. And, and there's some interesting studies that I know you've been involved with that we can talk about, but... I just want to drive that point home to everyone listening that light is the most fundamental frequency, energy, that establishes proper functioning and proper rhythms of every single system of our body. Do I have that right, Martin? Is that you certainly, yeah, you certainly do. And, you know, we can point to individual examples. I mean, for example, the hormone produced by the pineal gland called melatonin, which rises at night. Um, that, that hormone is a protective hormone that sends signals to the body, but what it does is suppress cancer cells. If you've got any cancer cells starting to develop, they get, they get suppressed by this hormone. Bring along light at night, particularly blue-rich light. You suppress that melatonin. Cancer cells grow much more rapidly, and that's why the breast cancer rates are much higher. I mean, you know, you've got your show called What Women Must Know. Women must know that over half of the cases of breast cancer are actually related to the wrong exposure to light. Um, it was always a mystery. You know, breast cancer, by the way, before electric light came along, was a very rare disease. And in fact, for the first half of this century, it was pretty rare for people to have breast cancer. When the first blue-rich lights came along, they had well, fluorescence. They were introduced, fluorescent lighting uh, put into every office building and every hospital and everywhere else, and that happened in the 1970s, 1980s. Breast cancer rates quadrupled. They went up four times more rates per 100,000 women. And we know, for example, just to take an example, that if you look at women today who don't see electric light, right, they may be living in places in the world that aren't yet electrified, they have virtually very low levels of breast cancer. Or women who've been blind since an early age, very low levels of breast cancer. 
And so basically those people that haven't been exposed to breast cancer that light have got 20 cases per 100,000 per year. Those people who are living in electrified parts of the world where they're exposed to lots of blue-rich light, 100 plus, 120 um, uh, per 100,000. You know, in other words, five times more. So it's a huge issue. And, um, you know, and, and the mystery we've solved in a sense, why has breast cancer become a big and very um, major cancer that 13% of American women will get breast cancer in their lifetime, and that number is creeping up every year, and it's getting worse the more we convert our world to blue-rich LED lights that are people being forced to put in their homes. So, you know, I'm, I may sound like I'm on a soapbox. It's so important, though. <laughs> you know, the incandescent lights that have just been banned um, but in America – They've been totally banned. You can't buy them. You get um, if a store sells you one, they're going to be fined five hundred dollars per light bulb they sign. So it, it, you know it's a, uh, they sell. So that's off the shelves. Those lights had only four percent blue content. These um, uh, LEDs have fifteen to twenty percent blue content. So it's it's you know we've we've forced ourselves into this world with high rich blue light, and we got and breast cancer is only one of many diseases, um, and I use that because your show is about what women must know, but women must know the impact of light and blue-rich light is a major, the major cause of breast cancer today. Can you explain, as we get into this, and, uh, you know, to me it's like a blinding flash of the obvious as we go and, and understand this conversation and the role of light and what has happened to us is now we are living, for some people, 24-7, right, under artificial lights. 24-7, they go to work, they go home, it's indoors, the blue light of their computer screen, of their phones, I mean, blue light is everywhere, or that frequency. Let's talk about the frequencies of light, because blue light makes up a frequency of light, and it has... Its, its role and is necessary, important in a range of frequencies, but something happens when we are exposed to the wrong frequency at the wrong time. Can, can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, absolutely, because I think one thing that people don't really think too much about, unless you've really looked into this topic, is that, we, you know, the light we see from the sun is yellowish-white. The light we get from our light bulbs and light fixtures is yellowish-white. And we say that's white light. Okay, that's fine. Except if you look at it, analyze it, it is full of all the spectrum colors of the rainbow. In other words, there's violet in there, there's blue, there's green, there's yellow, there's orange, there's red. The whole spectrum is there. When fused together, it looks white. So we look at light and we say, okay, that's white light or yellowish white light. Um, but in fact, that's where the heart of this matter is because Every part of that spectrum has a different function biologically. And one of the chapters in my book called Human Light Interaction and the Light Doctor is talking about what each part of the spectrum does to our health. So, for example, um, the violet light is actually very effective at killing bacteria. And, and it's a disinfectant, the violet part of the spectrum. The, the blue part of the spectrum, the sky blue part, the, the two, blue is a very uh, general color. There are a lot of colors of shades of blue. Um, 
Some of those blue colors are more harmful when people are out in bright sunlight and can cause damage to the eyes. Uh, that so-called blue hazard, that only occurs outdoors, by the way. It's not an indoor problem because it's, um, light levels are so low, low indoors. But then if we go to the sky blue colors, those are the colors that the clock is setting on circadian clock. Green has a different thing. It is the color that is most, um, set, our whole vision system is most centered on seeing green, probably because we live in a planet with a lot of green vegetation. That's when our vision is at its most acute in the green sense. But also green, interestingly, uh, uh, calms us, reduces levels of pain, can green light, the green part of that spectrum can reduce migraine pain and so forth. And then you go up to, up into the um, red part of the spectrum, for example, and that can cause hair, that can help hair to grow, that can cause healing, uh, healing effects of the red part of the spectrum. All of that is bundled together. So when you go out in sunlight, you're getting this wonderful dose of all these healing features of light. Um, all these different parts of the spectrum you're really unaware of in, in fairly high intensity. But indoors, what we get is this very distorted spectrum that is designed purely for the sake of producing brightness at the lowest cost. And then we end up with light that actually is harmful to our health. But every light, every light you see is broken up into these colors. And so by understanding the role of each of these colors, we can now tailor make light to be either healthy or unhealthy. You don't want to make it unhealthy. That's so much stuff is already unhealthy. But we can make light that is suited for daytime use. When you need to see the blue, you need the blue to resynchronize your clock. Keep That's what you're getting in the mornings when you get out and walk, which is, by the way, an excellent thing to do, particularly in the morning hours, is a time that's most effective at setting your clock and and getting all that internal orchestra all coordinated and all in sync and all in harmony with each other. But it's also that blue is what you want to totally avoid once you get into the evening hours and in the night hours because that will disrupt your sleep, your health, and um, cause all sorts of medical problems. Um, so, and we do, you talked about a 24-7 society. One thing people don't realize is how many people sleep with the lights on. It's staggering. Would you like to take a guess how many people sleep with the lights on at night uh, in their bedroom? I don't know. I, I, what, um, eight out of ten? I don't know. It's, you know, it is something like 30 to 50%, depending on the population, elderly people in particular, maybe 50% of them, have the lights on in the bedroom. Is that due to anxiety and all sorts of things? But that is associated with twice the risk of diabetes, twice the risk of cancer, twice the risk of obesity and heart disease, the people who sleep with the lights on at night. And there's a major study just came out this week looking at 88,000 people in the UK, in, the, in England, who were, they wore monitors to figure out how much light they were seeing around the clock for a week, they wore the monitors, and then they were all tracked. These were, these were people in their sort of early 60s, basically, that type of age, and they, and they looked at how many of them died in the next six years. In other words, how many survived six years, how many went on. The people who had the lights on at night died 40% higher in terms of heart disease, 30% in terms of all causes of mortality. Um, and it was due, they showed, to the disruption of their circadian rhythms by that light. So this affects 
health and not just in inconvenience of disease. This is this affects your lifespan. And so, you know, getting on my soapbox again, can you believe hospitals and um, health clinics and longevity clinics and people who sell all sorts of things to do with health, that they're lit by these LED lights that cause harm? Can you believe that? Can you believe that breast cancer wards in hospitals are illuminated by blue-rich fluorescence or blue-rich LEDs? It's astounding, and it is you know, you talk about, you know, it shall not do any harm as a tenant of medicine. You know, we're doing harm every day by not paying attention to lights. I know. This is like such such a mind-boggling um, concept to, to really grasp for people, um, you know, how, how light, the light exposure we're in can be so damaging to our health, and not just to our physical health, but the wrong lighting frequencies, which, you know, I, I always think of it as the information going in to, to, our, to our biological system through the brain and then through um, communicating to all these proper circadian or the clocks, the rhythms of all the systems of our body, um, um, determine how well the body functions. And when we start with the most basic thing of ignoring light and living in this dangerous artificial light environment is setting us on a path of physical and emotional, even mental um, disruptions. And because mood is affected, you know, addictions are affected or created, depression, anxiety. Can we talk about that and then and then we need to talk about how to how to have proper sleep for circadian health and well-being as well. Well, yeah, let's just talk about mood and depression and um, psychiatric disorders and anxiety. Um, those are very heavily influenced by the circadian system, and um, I think you know one of the most stunning studies on that is to, is a new hospital was built. Um, Scandinavia, uh, which had um, uh, a psychiatric hospital, uh, which had half the rooms on the side of the building were facing southeast. So they all got the morning sun, right? The other half of the rooms of this hospital were facing north and west. They did not get any morning sun. The patients being admitted to the same patients coming in and being admitted randomly to different rooms, the ones who got into the rooms that had south and east facing light and got morning sunlight were discharged half as quickly as those who were in the north and west facing rooms. Just show enormous example of the power of light. So it affects, absolutely affects our, our, our well-being, our health, our mood, um, and and that is is so fundamental. It affects our immunity. That's one you know one big thing we haven't talked about. Our immune system is highly sensitive to our circadian clocks and whether the internal timing of our body is of our clocks is working well. So people who have disrupted circadian clocks are more vulnerable to COVID and to other infections. Uh, they are you know there are a host of um, malfunctions of the body associated with that. And of course, sleep is, you know, one of the things that we, um, is part of just restorative effects of our body. 
if your circadian clocks are disrupted, um, and, and anytime, you know, and travel to, um, across the world, I mean, I made a number of quick business trips to Australia and back, um, <laughs> during my career. Um, and, you know, you get, it, it, it totally reverse, um, the clock on yourself, uh, and totally reverse exposure to sunlight. And that feeling of malaise and everything else is highly disrupted to sleep. But people don't need to travel to be disrupted in their sleep because the problem with the exposure to blue-rich light in the evening is that, in particularly in some people, it shifts their clock later and later. So we're, we're different, right? We are individuals. Some people are highly sensitive to that blue-rich light in the evening, and some aren't so sensitive. And guess what? The ones that are sensitive are the evening-type people, you know, the morning people who get up in the morning at 5 or 6 in the morning and are fully alert and awake, but then they become, you know, really sleepy and go to bed around 9 or 10 at night. That's the extreme larks, as we call them, extreme morning types. The other end is the people who are, you know, very hard to get up in the morning um, and um, as the day progresses, they get they get more alert, and then they're going great guns at midnight and beyond. Um, those are the people who are, who are the evening types, who are actually the ones that are more sensitive to light. And so a fascinating study was done, which really shows this um, really very clearly. Um, uh, a professor, Professor Kenneth Wright at the University of Colorado Boulder, uh, took um, whole groups of people out into the wilderness of the Rocky Mountains, and he did not allow them to take any electrical devices, any flashlights, any cell phones, anything that provided electric light. So they therefore spent a week living in nature um, and camping out in nature. They allowed campfires because our ancestors had campfires. By the way, wood fires had very little blue in them. Candles had very little blue in them. So. It wasn't the little electric light that we, the human eye actually ever saw blue at night. But when he took those people out there, the people who are morning types and evening types both turned into the same pattern. In other words, they both um, fell asleep at the same time and woke at the same time. So the morningness, eveningness difference is related to our reaction or response to that light. So it's really critical. Some people are way more sensitive than others uh, to that disruption by blue light. But it's a problem for everybody, and um, that's, again, why it is a, an individual problem as well as um, something that we all need to be paying attention to. Well, you know, um, when I started learning about this, I got out and watched the sunrise as often as I could. Um, I was fortunate because I actually had an east-facing balcony, and I still do, so uh, I made it my business to get up and watch the sunrise, right? Because that's when all the full spectrum is there, and that's the most healing time to get all the, the circadian rhythms in balance and your internal clocks in balance. And then I found that, um, you know, I, I would get tired earlier at night, and suddenly I'm going to bed um, earlier, you know, 9 o'clock most times or because you're naturally tired, right? You're naturally tired when right. you're in rhythm. When the night comes, you you know, that's when I mean there are functions that happen at night when you know, you're in the dark. And um 
Um, and, and now I find, you know, where I am now, I mean, the sun came up at 5.48 a.m. this morning. I mean, I, I, I get up automatically at that time and get out and sit. You know, I don't care. You know, the more the more we get towards summer here in Australia, the earlier where I am, the sun is rising. And I, it, I just automatically am up before that sun rises and I get out and sit on my balcony. And I just it bathe myself in the light. Um, and I've never felt better in my life, right? I, I don't have sleep problems. I don't have energy problems. I just feel so well from from getting this knowledge, which I've been implementing in my life for the last four, maybe five years. It's, I, I, you know, this, this is why this conversation is so profound, Martin. I, I just see the benefit for myself, and I see the opposite, right? When people are staying up late at night on their blue screens, the lights are blazing. Um, I, I feel so bad for um, the night shift workers. I, I live... Um, they're a hospital, and there are a lot of hospital staff that are in my my um, my complex here, and so many of them have night shift duties, right? And I, you know, oh, yeah. I just I understand I understand the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the first one of the first things where when the awareness really started developing when it was found that um, people working those night shifts, uh, women working the night shifts, had twice the rate or 50% higher or more rates of breast cancers compared to women who weren't. That was the first thing that basically brought attention to this matter. And, um, in fact, when this research came out, and basically the um, the research came out about the year 2000 about this effect, and then a the whole lot of studies were done. And by 2007, the World Health Organization's International uh, Research Agency on Cancer um, came out with the finding that uh, light at night uh, was carcinogenic, uh, was, it was a, a defined carcinogen. Um, and that was what, when I mentioned to you um, earlier, that I've worked with, um, uh, advised a whole lot of companies that work night shifts or work around the clock. And these companies came to me and said, Martin, what do we do about this? We can't turn off the lights at night. Hospitals can't turn out the lights. Oil refineries, you know, all sorts of businesses can't turn out the lights at night. Uh, uh, and we can't, we can't sit, we can't stop working at night. We have to run 24-7. You can't switch us off. Um, so what do we do about it? And that's what led uh, to my research where I decided to figure out, do we find a solution by identifying the very precise wavelengths, the precise color of light within the light spectrum, the rainbow light spectrum, that was causing the problem. Uh, that was the stimulus to do that. And once we did that and were able to find that narrow band, now we could build LEDs that took that blue component, that harmful component, away during the nighttime hours and gave it, um, um, in, uh, in profusion, gave it effectively uh, to, to uh, during the daytime hours. Um, so that was the key to sort of developing the whole principle of circadian lighting, or healthy circadian lighting. So, so what you have been able to do is, is um, take the, uh, the blue frequency, which is, I believe, it's at its zenith around noon, naturally, which is highly stimulating, as it should be. But when you have that blue light frequency, as a predominant frequency at night, it's doing what it 
naturally should do it about midday, which is stimulate you, activate you, energize you. But when you're doing it at night, that's inappropriate information going into the brain, to the body, and puts everything out of sync and makes, you know, then there are all the, all the complications that happen, right? So what you've done yeah, is taken uh, that disruptive frequency. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying. So you're absolutely right. We've got an automatic system that's controlling these clocks. It's, a, it's such a good, well-functioning system. We didn't even realize it or, or think about it, right, um, until we started screwing it up. But essentially, this automatic system is detecting this blue. By the way, it's a sky blue color, um, around 480 nanometers on the scale. Um, visible light goes from about 380 nanometers, that's in the violet, all the way to 780 nanometers in the red. Uh, that's the, the spectrum, the visible light spectrum. This is around 480 or so. That light, that signal is ever since eons, uh, the, long before human history and, and throughout animal history and the whole of human history, that has been the signal. But it is, we are now shining that signal and saying to our bodies and to the automated system of bodies, hey, it's daytime which is, leads to com complete confusion. And we rely, you talked about getting good sleep, that's so important because during the time we're sleeping, all sorts of restoration that's going on, healing that's going on in our body. Um, and if we mess that up, we don't get the benefit of um, the, the repairing processes. Um, there's a constant, the body is constantly being, you know, harmed and damaged and challenged by everything we're doing during the day. But there's a lot of healing that goes on and we're interrupting that healing. And that's one of the, and our, and that's what we're doing. We're really messing with Mother Nature. We're messing with, you know, what is absolutely fundamental here. Let's talk about the impact of blue light on, um, on insulin and the risk of increasing weight gain and then diabetes from light. How light is impacting that body's functioning. Right. So we mentioned earlier that um, obesity, for example, and diabetes are, um, are higher in people who are exposed to light at night or light at the evening hours, blue-rich light. But if we actually study that in more depth, what we find is several interesting things happen. You know, for example, we've done studies with people uh, in at night with light that's normal LED light, which is rich in blue, and then light that has got no blue in it. It's got, it's got zero blue um, of that blue color. And what we find is the blue light is doing several things. It is actually making our uh, us more resistant uh, to insulin. So when we are eating a meal, our glucose levels go much higher, and our insulin levels, insulin can't um, uh, do its job of, of storing that, moving that glucose into cells. So our, we get diabetic, as it were, and you can, you can produce a, a pre-diabetic state in a perfectly normal person by exposing them to blue light uh, during the evening and night hours. But what's also interesting is blue light at night stimulates appetite. We get really hungry when we're in blue-rich light. And guess what? What we do when we're hungry, we start snacking, going to the refrigerator or whatever. And we, when we look at people who are working and living at night, a night shift, for example, if they've got light that's um, 
got blue rich as compared to light that is got zero blue in it. The zero blue people are snacking half the amount that the or or and the and the ones that are under the blue light are snacking twice as much. Um, uh, so we're stimulating not only the insulin glucose system, but we're stimulating the appetite of someone uh, to eat junk junk food snacks, for example, which is one of the reasons that people why night shift work is associated with increased obesity um, and, and ill health. So, yes, it's a whole dynamic that is really, and we can do it now by shining exactly the same level of light on people, but either blue-rich or blue-depleted, you know, where the zero blue, where the blue has been removed, and show that the effect is a blue effect, not just the light intensity effect. You know, um, as you're talking, it's like we're looking in all the wrong places. Although there are many pieces to, to the puzzle of any health issue, whether it's, you know, breast cancer, whether it's obesity, there, there, are, many, there are many pieces that need to be addressed that drive this condition. But one of the most fundamental of those pieces is not being understood at all, and that's the role of life in the blue light at night. Yeah, and, and we're what we're happening, and it's happening all over the world. There is this huge drive to try to um, become en- more energy efficient, to use less electricity, uh, and um, um, and worried about global warming, which is a thing one we all need to worry about. But the problem is that the people who put in the regulations in place are single-mindedly focused on re- on the electrical efficiency of light, but it's a very artificial thing they're measuring. They're measuring, to get a little technical for a moment, they're measuring something called lumens per watt. Lumens is the brightness of light, and watts, of course, is the amount of electricity you're using to produce that light. But the problem with lumens is it's a terrible measure of the, it does not measure the healthiness of light. It measures merely the green-yellow part of light that is associated with our our perception of brightness. So they're purely maximizing how much bright light can you get with the least amount of electricity. And they're putting in now regulations and umping, you know, making these numbers tighter and tighter. So, for example, Edison's electric bulb, the old incandescent bulbs, you can't get better than 15 lumens per watt out of them. And that's a problem, right? Because then came fluorescence, and and we got um, uh, just one second. Yeah, um, yeah we got fluorescence, um, and they were maybe getting up to fifty, sixty, seventy lumens per watt. And then what we get is uh, the LEDs came along, and they with these we can get over a hundred, and uh, you know sometimes a hundred up to one hundred and fifty lumens per watt with these LEDs. So people say, wow, let's change everything over. From We can get 10 times more efficient. Now, the problem with that efficiency is, of course, um, that we're totally focusing on brightness of light um, at the cost of, uh, and you get it by using a lot of blue in the light to make it these blue-rich LEDs. So that is the challenge we're facing here. Yeah, crazy, right? Now that yeah. now that we know what we know, and yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's crazy. So, um, 
So what would be your suggestion for people to start um, with this information to start um, making the changes that they need to make and get more of the right frequencies at the right time? What are your favorite suggestions to offer people? Well, the first thing is I would encourage you to read, sign up, you can get free subscriptions to my book, The Light Doctor, which explains it in layperson-friendly terms. It's not a book written for scientists. It's a book to explain this for everyone. And so The Light Doctor is available on Substack, and that will teach you what is the problem, what is the lights that you need to look for, and, and how do you determine which is healthy light. So that will give you the broad out understanding of it. So that's the thing you can do now. In addition, uh, I will be in that book telling people about where you can get lights now that are zero blue, for example, um, uh, and that you can use in the evening hours. Um, and then we can see more lights coming into um, during the course of this year. By the end of the year, there'll be more lights coming into the market that automatically switch between being in a day condition and a night condition. So you don't even have to change, you know, which lights you use. Um, and that could be done automatically. That's the science is, is there now to be able to do that. So that's coming. But I will be educating people on those. The key thing is um, – when you get looking at light, energy efficiency is not the right metric you're looking at. Um, neither, unfortunately, is something called CCT, that's color temperature. And, and that's a bit of a misunderstanding. The, a lot of people said, oh, let's solve this problem by having low color temperature light. But the problem is that unless you go to very low color temperature of the light, um, CCT is like 1800 Kelvin, and I should explain this. The normal lights you would use are normally between 3,000 and 4,000 Kelvin. That's sort of comfort level lighting. Um, when it gets up to 6,500 Kelvin, you're starting to look at a very harsh bluish type color, um, uh, which is, you know, some of the LED headlights that people putting in cars are this harsh bluish light color, right? Uh, but if you just go by CCT, unfortunately, it's not a good guide because CCTs with different levels between three and 4,000 actually don't change the blue content very much. You've either got to go down for these very yellow-orangey lights or, and this is a big breakthrough that I, my science was involved in, we can build lights that are a very comfortable color. Uh, they're in the normal range of color temperatures, um, but they have zero blue in them. And that was the big breakthrough that we were able to do and, and produce. And those lights are, as I say, some of them are available today and more are coming available um, uh, as this year goes on. And, and the light doctor, I will be giving people where to find them, how to find them, how to judge whether the light is good for you in terms of night, good for you during the day, and um, how, to, how to make the choices and how to, um, quite frankly, uh, uh, deal with the snake oil salesman. In other words, there's a lot of misinformation out there. How to make really clear what is true circadian lighting that is healthy um, and what is light that is claimed to be circadian but really doesn't do very much. And, um, you know, I mean, people can start using more candles at night. They can, um, I have a, I think Himalayan salt lamps have the right um, frequencies of the, out of the blue range. Right. I mean, I'm just yeah. being a simple thing, as well as, of course, 
understanding, get more light, you know, open the windows up or step outside. You only need to have exposure, especially around sunrise, for you know, maybe 15 right. minutes to is that true? Let me just say, I want to make sure well, this accurate. Well, let me, let me you know, let's be clear of that. I think I wouldn't want, I mean, you're, you're someone very comfortable getting up at sunrise. You know, I think that's great. We don't have to do that for the health reasons. But if you can get up, you know, ideally for an hour or so, um, in the morning before the sun is really high, um, it can be, it doesn't have to, it can be after breakfast, right? It doesn't have to be. Um, but if you get out every day in the morning for an hour or so, that is the healthy thing you can do. Um, and, and morning light is so much better daylight. It's so much brighter, so much richer in blue. Um, and, you know, as I say, uh, and any time is good um, in, in the morning hours, whether it's whether sunrise or whether it's, um, you know, after you naturally wake up and are ready to get out, uh, get out, make that a part of your day, walk the dog, go for a jog, go for a walk, whatever is uh, fun to do and a reason to get outside. Um, and even if it's a cloudy, dark day, um, you're going to get far more light that way uh, than being indoors. So that's certainly the first rule uh, of this, that you can do a lot to help yourself. And then, as I say, during the evening hours, uh, your choices are really three. Dim the lights um, way down in the evenings. Make the lights very low color temperature, like 1800, and they're available, bulbs like that. Um, they're the yellow-orangey ones. Or use lights that are zero blue, designed to look attractive and normal color lights, um, but have really zero blue content to them. Um, and those are the types of lights that, as I say, will take away, remove, protect you from uh, this harmful blue in the evening and night hours. And that's why we want people to read your book, The Light Doctor, and they can do that by going to your Substack website, which is Light Doctor Martin Moore Ead, and that's um, M O R M O O R E E D E. So that's Light Doctor Martin Moore Ead. Substack. Com because you're giving those chapters away each week, and people can freely access this information through your Substack. Um, link and learn more. Uh, you know, for some this may be quite a revelation on uh, this conversation, and um, uh, and I hope it is a you know a, an awakening for everyone because we go back to ancient wisdom of the role of light for health, healing, that every aspect of optimizing our well-being on this planet. So, um, Martin, thank you so much for your time today, for your wisdom, for your dedication. For the research you've done and, uh, you know, sticking with your intuition of uh, developing all this understanding of circadian rhythms at the time when it wasn't really appreciated, we're so much more um, uh, better off because of that resolve that you had. So it's just been an amazing conversation and wishing you all the best and can't wait for those light bulbs to show up. Absolutely, yeah. They're they're on the on the way. A lot of them are on the way, and you can just basically keep it simple. You can just Google Substack the Light Doctor. You'll find it easily without having to remember the entire uh, rigmarole of the URL. <laughs> just it, Substack Beautiful. the Light Doctor, and you'll quick get it quickly. Substack, Substack. That's. But we'll just tell that one more time. Substack and go to the Light Doctor. 
Um, yeah, just yeah, it's type in satellite doctor, and you'll get it get it very easily. And as they say, thousands of people over all over the world, including you know Europe, Australia, everywhere else, are are reading it. Um, it comes out every uh, there's a podcast that comes out um, uh, at, uh, at weekly, and there is a uh, chapter that comes out every two weeks. So it's um, readily available, and I really invite everyone to get in part of the conversation. This is a worldwide conversation we need to have. We need to take charge of our lights and charge of our health. I absolutely agree. This is a, a profound conversation that people need to have. Uh, you know, uh, just thank you so much, Martin, for, um, for everything you do and for being on the show today and sharing your uh, profound insight and wisdom. It's just been an honor to have you with us today. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Cheryl. Thank you. And to all of you listening, thank you for joining me again on What Women Must Know. And uh, as I always like to say, always honor the wisdom of your feminine self. And I'll see you next week. Bye for now.